morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 16th of February, and my name is Bernadette Anderko. Ahead of the US price data due out later today, I'll be talking about all the latest market news on today's show with Mike Rauber. And our head of FX and PM solutions in Geneva, Tim Gagey, returns today with this week's update on currencies and metals. So I'll be speaking to him in a few minutes. But first up, let's get started as usual with the market's news. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Bernadette. So first on the Eurozone, there seem to be a lot of comments from ECB central bankers. Some seem to be leaning towards a rate cut as soon as March, and others like ECB President Christine Lagarde are cautioning against rushing to cut interest rates. Indeed, our economists see the ECB cutting rates in April given the growth slowdown. And just yesterday, the French uh, finance minister said he will revise the official 2024 growth forecast lower from the current 1.4% in the coming days. But you know, this did not keep European stocks from extending their gains as traders looked beyond the interest rate and inflation debate, but instead focused on earnings with some good results uh, from Pernod Ricard, uh, Stellantis, Commerzbank and Renault. And so the Eurostock 600 actually rose 0.6% yesterday and it is now just below its 2022 record high. And uh, in the European bond market yesterday, we got the largest corporate bond offering in more than a year. And um, this was from Siemens, hot on the heels of its uh, credit rating upgrade this week. What can you tell us there? The company raised 5 billion euros from a four-part bond deal with maturities ranging between 4.75 and 20 years. Uh, the 20 years issue, that's actually not very common on the corporate side. And it seems that the uh, bond issues from Siemens uh, we're in real high demand with the new issues being more than three times oversubscribed. And you know, Bernadette, in the dollar investment grade market, there's also plenty of demand given attractive yield levels. So I guess this is also why the pharma company Bristol Myers got $85 billion in orders for a 13 billion bond deal midweek. Good to see there's still appetite out there then. Um, and moving on to the UK, it was reported yesterday that it fell into a mild recession in the second half of 2023. This morning, we've just had UK retail sales out for January. Was that a good number? Uh, actually, yes, uh, better than expected, rising 3.4%, while expectations were for a gain of just 1.5%. So this will probably lower some concerns at the Bank of England, and this should all allow them to keep rates higher a little longer to bring inflation down. But U.S. retail sales yesterday showed uh, something of a different picture, didn't they? Showing a broad decline in January, uh, with one measure falling 0.4% on the month. That's the first monthly decline since March 2023. Absolutely. And th this helped to ease concerns about strong consumer spending pushing inflation in the U.S. higher, especially after the surprise inflation number earlier this week. So markets are now fully pricing in a rate reduction in June. And the S&P 500 closed uh, yesterday at an all-time high after advancing 0.6%. And you know, Bernard, the interesting about yesterday's advance was that five of the seven magnificent seven stocks actually fell on the day and even did the tech component in, of the S&P 500. So it was really a broadening of the equity market rally. Uh, which was yesterday led by banks and energy, and even small caps jumped with a gain of 2.5%. Now, staying with the US, uh, given the higher inflation number midweek, there's now a lot of focus on today's producer price release. 
they are seen rising 0.1% in January. So be on the lookout for that number and also the results of the University of Michigan Consumer Survey that will be out today and whether they will impact market action. Okay, so let's uh, take a look at Asia now. There's a sea of green with the Hang Seng up 2.5% and the Nikkei 225 rising 0.7%. It's within touching distance uh, of its all-time high. So what's driving markets there? So Hong Kong's Hang Seng is up for a third day in a row uh, following uh, after it had been closed on Monday and Tuesday uh, for the uh, New Year celebration. And today's gain is being attributed to a report that consumer spending in China is picking up with a surge in travel during the first six days of the holiday. And also there's some hopes for a cut in a key interest rate uh, when the central bank meets uh, over the weekend. And what about Japan? Now, today it's rising on good tech earnings and comments by the Bank of Japan's governor that the central bank will review monetary easing tools when the price goal is in sight curbing expectations of sharp interest rate increases. But, you know, there have been many false starts since Japanese equities peaked in 1989. This comes to mind with the Nikkei 225 close to the highs from back in a different time or around 35 years ago. But, you know, it took the Dow Jones Industrial 25 years to surpass its 1929 high. So what's in store for Japanese equities after an already impressive rally? Now, our research thinks some positive dynamics uh, speak in favor of Japanese uh, equities, uh, such as real corporate reforms, even as the economy reported a surprise contraction for Q4 yesterday. Okay, so moving across uh, to the chipmaker NVIDIA, that's at the heart of the artificial intelligence spending boom. They revealed some interesting stakes um, in other companies. Can you give us a bit more detail there, Mike? Absolutely. So it closed investments in chip designer Arm Holdings, TinyCap SoundHound AI, which develops speech recognition technologies and recursion pharmaceuticals, a biotech firm that uses AI for drug discovery. Uh, I guess it provides a glimpse into the opportunities that AI can create in the years to come. And staying on NVIDIA, its rise uh, this week uh, means that it overtook Alphabet in terms of market capitalization. And so now there's a lot of attention on NVIDIA's earnings release next Wednesday. We'll look out for that then. Um, Do you have anything else to report on for today, Mike? Just quickly, we have a host of earnings out. Uh, Swiss Re reported already meeting net income estimates as higher interest rates helped profit soar. In the Swiss market, there's also a focus on Timinos as its shares were halted yesterday on a research report with, with allegations of earnings manipulation. There will also be Swiss industrial production figures out, so it will be interesting to see what the impact of the strong Swiss franc will be. And uh, turning to another safe haven asset, gold crossed the $2,000 mark again after it dropped below the level following the surprise higher U.S. inflation report. Um, but that's all from me for today. Thank you very much, Mike, for an interesting wrap-up. Thanks for having me. So now it's time to turn to our weekly chat on currencies and metals uh, with Tim Gagey. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Bernadette. It seems like FX markets are going rather sideways. Is that right? It is right. And honestly, we are pretty happy about it here. For quite a while now, we've been discussing uh, our belief that we are entering into what seems to be much more of a range-bound market. And that scenario is indeed playing out. 
I think the reason for this is, well, all the central banks are moving more slowly than the market expects, but they are more or less moving in the same direction. As far as FX is concerned, interest rates are relative, not absolute. If you have leverage in dollars and invest in the stock market, then rates for you are absolute. Uh, the higher they are, the more expensive it is. But if you sell dollars and buy pounds, because you think the Fed will cut faster than the Bank of England, just for example, then if expectations for the Fed and the Bank of England both shift from, say, 1% of cuts to half a percent of cuts, there's not really any impact on your position. So we believe the market got far too excited about rate cuts. Of course they'll come, but they'll come slowly, and I think they'll come in an orderly fashion, what it's worth. I also believe the main central banks will coordinate their activity, try to reduce volatility and risk for themselves. Nobody wants to be uh, the only one cutting or, or doing something else. So we are happy, yes, fine, because we seem to have more or less the right idea. That's always fun. But we're mostly happy because we think this is actually a fantastic market for doing stuff in the FX market. When there's a trend, it's hard. You either buy into it and you wait, or you sell into it and you hope you capture the top of the trend, and often you don't. When there is a range, there are all sorts of interesting things you can do, which I will cover a bit later on. Okay. Are there any currencies where you have more of a directional view? Yeah, there's a couple. One is the Swiss franc. We've had a decent sell-off in the Swiss franc earlier in the week. Swiss inflation numbers came in lower than expected. We've seen a little bit of a recovery, but the general trend of the Swiss all year has been weaker, really. This makes perfect sense to us. Already, the carry is very generous, being short the Swiss franc. And since we expect the other main central banks to cut slowly, this carry, this positive interest rate differential, should stay available for some time. Also, now we see the Swiss National Bank on a more dovish stance and Swiss inflation dropping. The door is open for them to cut rates at some stage. I don't think they'll be in a huge rush. Swiss rates are very low, of course, but there is less of an obstacle than perhaps we might have thought before. So we prefer to stay short Swiss francs. The yen I still don't touch. I do not believe there are any opportunities here. Just because something is cheap does not mean it is good value. Anyone who has ever bought a t-shirt from a market while on holiday can testify to that. Just a quick word on gold. I know Carsten spoke about it yesterday. I still think it's too high. I would always look to sell on rallies. Uh, the lack of yield really bothers me, you know, um, with interest rates where they are and looking to stay relatively interesting. I think there's much better ways of uh, making money. But aside from those, I think really we mainly see ranges. All right. Well, are there any ideas you would like to share with us this Friday morning? Absolutely. So, as I mentioned before, we think this is a great environment for getting more active. When you're in a range, you can try to trade around the edges of the range, of course, by low sell high. But as the ranges themselves are quite tight, it's hard to time. It requires a lot of effort. So we quite like looking at products that give you a bit of a buffer and potentially a bit of yield. Reverse convertibles work really well at the moment. Targeting a coupon of double cash, so if you're looking at dollars, targeting a coupon of between 9 and 10% annualized really makes sense. You get a really decent pickup in yield on your cash that's otherwise just sat on deposit. And while you're in a range, even if you're converted, you have a really great chance of being able to do the other side straight away and just keep clipping coupons. I think you can really boost yield nicely this way. Then the other product that we think gets really interesting at the moment is a pivot tough. The ranges you can create with one of these is really impressive. So for example, in Euro dollar, you get a range of something like 104.50 to 111 or 111.50. So buying at 104.50, selling at 111.50, depending. That range basically captures 
pretty much all of the movement in euro dollar for the last 12 months we've been outside of it but not much so you have a really good chance of hitting the target before the market environment changes again in our view anyway because we think that uh, we're going to be in this range bound environment for uh, three or four months at least and then the other nice opportunity we still see is to keep taking short exposure to the Swiss franc. You can do it via a forward, but you can also still look at switching expensive loans in dollars, sterling, even euros into Swiss franc loans where the savings are impressive. I wouldn't necessarily go all in on that idea, but I do think it's smart to look at if you're still finding the funding costs a little bit elevated. That's all from me for today, Bernadette. Thanks for the chat, but I will leave you with a little story. Yesterday, I popped into a bookshop and asked the bookseller if he had any books about turtles. Hard back, he asked me. Yes, I said, with tiny little heads. Have a good day. <laughs> Very good. Thanks a lot, Tim, for some interesting ideas this morning. Uh, lovely to talk to you as ever. So that's it for the show today. Thank you to today's guests and to you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show and you haven't yet subscribed, make sure you do, then you won't miss out. And of course, do join us again next week when Helen will be back on Monday talking to more of our colleagues about what's moving markets. Good luck today, enjoy your weekend and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.